I'd love to see people taking pictures in a few years still and not relying completely on artificial intelligence and their little prompt boxes in whatever tool they're using because it's the whole process that makes photography so so interesting it's what kept me alive for sure all of these years or kept me in the in, in the job is you know the people and all the the effort that goes into creating photography i'd hate to see the craft slowly fade away and being replaced by computers but AI will have so many positive impacts on our lives that that's also the question if maybe we can sacrifice photography for the sake of humanity being able to cure cancer. I'm totally, totally fine with that, if that's the result. I think the only important thing is we have to be very realistic about AI right now being the reflection of human achievement. However, if humanity decides to only do what AI is perceiving as a good achievement, we're going to be in trouble. For German photographer Thomas Bonig, photography is a force that fuels his existence. Based in Nuremberg, Germany, Thomas is a freelance commercial and Leica Street photographer. His clients range from Adidas, Puma, and Tesla to Universal Music. Thomas and I met back in 2012 in New York City when he was doing a project for Leica Camera, capturing decisive moments with his Leica M9. What I really appreciate about Thomas is not only how talented he is, but how genuine and authentic he is, which comes through in his striking photography, especially his portraits. In our conversation today, we discuss how Thomas sees AI as a threat to the photography industry and how he's thinking about AI tools for his client projects and workflows. You'll learn how skateboarding and his Leica rangefinder helped shape his commercial photography, his appreciation for beautiful imperfections, and why he loves the craft of photography so much, and his hopes for it in the years to come. Enjoy. But have you ever thought, what if this is all just a dream? Welcome to Creativity Squared. Discover how creatives are collaborating with artificial intelligence in your inbox, on YouTube, and on your preferred podcast platform. Hi, I'm Helen Todd, your host, and I'm so excited to have you join the weekly conversations I'm having with amazing pioneers in the space. The intention of these conversations is to ignite our collective imagination at the intersection of AI and creativity to envision a world where artists thrive. Well, Thomas, it is so wonderful to see you and have you on Creativity Squared. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored. Good to see you again. Yeah, well, I was uh, looking back. I think we actually met back in 2012 uh, <laughs> when you were doing uh, Thomas Does NYC for the Like a Camera blog and Like a Project. So it's uh, it's been a long time, but it's so good to have uh, been connected with you and followed all of your work um, after all of these years. Yeah, I still I think I still owe you a bit for taking me in during the project because um, I don't know if you remember, but like the the first day of arriving in New York, so it was my first time in 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 the states and New York um, too. I uh, I think I I had like I crashed on somebody's couch that you know I found on Craigslist and it was bad. So as far as I remember, <laughs> yeah. So I, well, I remember I think there I, was something about like a lot of cats or something. At yeah. That place. That, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was the tiniest, it was like a, a two, a two bedroom, um, apartment with the kitchen in the hallway, my bunk bed in the hallway and what felt like 34 cats in, in the apartment. And I'm very allergic to cats, uh, cats. And, um, there were no cats mentioned in the Craigslist, um, advertisement. So. As far as I remember, I, I, I called you and we met up for dinner and um, you kindly offered me to stay um, with you and crash on your couch. And I was so relieved. Honestly, thank you again. I owe you. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, yeah, I uh, am a big, well, at, at one point in my life, I was a massive couch surfer. And for those who don't know what couch surfing is, it was really an early community where people would connect online and open up their houses. This was before Airbnb and let people from all over the world stay on their couch. When I backpacked through Europe, I stayed on so many people's couches. So uh, my, my couch is always open uh, to visitors and I'm glad I saved you from You did. You, you saved me and the project. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's dive into kind of, um, we'll get into your photography, um, but, you know, out the gate, uh, I think you were really interested in my uh, podcast, a new project, Creativity Squared, exploring how creatives are collaborating with artificial intelligence. And uh, one reason, because you're a photographer and you're interested in it, but tell me, tell me kind of how you're thinking about AI right now in this moment in time. Um, I think that that alone is, is a loaded question because it um, affects so much um, of um, the world we're living in right now. Um, I think it's difficult to, to generalize um, AI as a whole because uh, you can... Um, there's there's bits and pieces of life where a AI is gonna is gonna be great and it's gonna revolutionize things and um, make life better. And then there's there's always people that have that are stakeholders in something that AI is a, is a threat to. So that's kind of like the the bottom side of it. Me personally, I I think I'm a little bit worried in in some parts. I'm relieved. In, in, in other parts because it also makes my life as a creative easier and I'm excited about what's what's down the what's down the, the line for us um, with AI uh, and when you said that you started playing with AI you kind of went into it with a very specific intention and what was that that intention well the the first moment AI caught my attention was actually a mid-journey picture i saw on instagram and it was i can't remember the name um, of the creator but it was um the simpsons um sort of created in a hyper realistic um way like as if they were you know humans and that caught my my attention for two reasons first of all i love the simpsons and um second of all um, if a client would have approached me with with the idea to recreate The Simpsons as, let's say, half realistic human people, the sheer amount of work that would have gone into that um, project is is crazy. Lighting, backgrounds, um, special effects, makeup. So that was kind of like the, the first moment where I where I thought, oh my god, there is potential in this like this is this is really great and um i actually looked into mid-journey then because i figured this can't be real and i i actually wanted to to rule it out as a as a threat to the craft i'm a i'm a part of um but i i couldn't it's it's a really extensive powerful tool and um mid journey then got me more into the areas of like chat gpt and how how to use um ai for you know more business related um things and that's actually where i am right now so i you know i looked in in there i wanted to rule it out as as a threat to my craft but i i couldn't in the end I find it really fascinating that you saw it and wanted to test test it out to see what it means for your own photography as a threat or not. And now that you've uh, played with it a little bit, um, how are you using it for or as part of your photography process right now? And I guess before we even start there, um, we should just give a little background that you're both a commercial photographer and a street photographer, uh, which we'll get more into into your artwork in a second. But just to stay on the AI train just a little bit longer. Well, um, I'm 
fortunate enough to um, have worked in a lot of areas in in photography, um, commercially speaking. And the first thing that um, came to my mind with uh, using Midjourney was creating um, background plates. I do have a little history with um, automotive photography and um, Automotive photography is 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 super complex. Um, it's very hard to to do, and the the most difficult thing is you know getting the car to a location and you know basically waiting there for the sun to be at the exact right spot or a cloud to show up or you know whatever. It, it it's it's very time consuming, and over the past couple of years, um, a lot of you know, 3D modeling has replaced um, the photography of um, uh, the cars themselves. But photographers would still go out and shoot background plates, just the background plates um, to have the, the cars um, 3D modeled into it. Well, now with Midjourney, you can actually go um, the other way around. You could actually take a picture of a car and um, put it into the Midjourney back background or rather first create the mid journey background and then you know position the car to match the back uh, the background so that's that's one one area and the other area um is for um fashion photography where you know uh, there's a lot of traveling in, involved and i've been all around the world uh, i'm shooting fashion catalog um no vogue covers but you know still uh, catalog fashion and um you know there's a lot of traveling involved you're still dependent on the weather and the location so i think it could go um really well for um fashion photography yeah and i guess maybe you know since there's so many different types of genres of photography and they have different applications for ai like i almost think like in the editorial sense which is very can go very fantasy or anything that you imagine that to bring down the cost of the shoots that ai can be a huge benefit uh versus uh you know building elaborate sets and all that goes into it um and then you know it's very different uh than street photography of course so um yeah are you you kind of mentioned two different examples but do you see the benefits um or the threats of using AI to apply for these uh, these different genres within the photography realm? Um, of course, I, I I think it's a it's a it's a threat to the way we're working or used to work as a photographers. And for me, and that's that's my that's my fear. The whole part of you know building a set, getting together with people. Um, having to do troubleshooting um, as as you go, uh, dealing with time delays, bits and pieces of the set fall apart, whatever it is, that's part of that's part of the game. That's part of the experience that I love so much about photography because otherwise it would just be another another job. And also connecting with the people that are working on 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 those kind of kind of jobs i can i can if i if i'm looking into the future i hope we don't get to the point where we don't have any photo shootings uh, anymore but we're rather having prompt sessions and some high class uh, makeup artist brings a little notebook with his favorite prompts and then people are sitting in front of a computer telling each other what to type into a little box and of course you're getting you're getting a um, a result that's probably as as good maybe even more technically speaking more perfect than the one um you took with your camera but i mean where's the fun in that that's that's not why i started mm, that's interesting so it's it's almost the the process versus the the output um and how brands will start or your clients will start to think about what it is that they want or and how to support the the industry is maybe a differentiator do you think of it that way? I mean, budget-wise, it, it, it's probably always smarter to hire somebody who who does it um, with an AI tool. Um, it's just the, the question if you still want to be in, involved in the process and have this 
this experience of uh, photo shooting taking taking place and you know people buzzing around and pizza being delivered and you know that's that's all that's all part of the part of the magic and um, again it's cheaper for a client to do it with with AI I, I suppose because it's just less people involved and just you know less less hardware needed to to pull off um, creating this picture but I'd, it, it would break my heart if if the whole um, production itself uh, is disappearing. Yeah, and I, I think right now, at least, it seems like bigger brands aren't going to embrace AI that much just because there's so much litigation happen, happening right now as far as like the rights usage of the images coming from these machines. And that it seems like just from my conversations that... AI used a little bit more upstream and the concepting and stuff makes a lot more sense until we actually understand the full brand usage rights when it comes to the end result and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that's going to change just as fast as, you know, the AI is moving. Um, and I know one thing that uh, we had kind of discussed um, when we were talking ahead of this interview that, you know, for some brands, like uh, you're helping a friend out with a clothing brand, which I want to hear about, uh, but having, you know, not all clients have massive budgets to do production shoots. And this kind of opens up, you know, access to so much more um, ability for brands to do cool things without big budgets. Um, so it's, it's definitely maybe a double-edged sword uh, in that way. Um, but can you tell us about the project um, that you're working on and how you've started dabbling uh, with with AI for for one of your projects? Um, we a friend of mine started uh, um, a sort of street culture skateboarding related uh, clothing brand, and it's really it's him and 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 that's it. He's working on the designs. He's traveling around finding. Um, factories to produce the clothing he wants to make it um super sustainable and uh, no 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 cheap productions in somewhere in asia so he he's really invested in creating a quality brand with quality clothing um which on the other hand means that you have to cut short on marketing budget and he he asked me um, to take to take pictures, and uh, we we did sort of the first first collection in as far as I remember it was February. And I don't know if the li listeners have ever been to to Germany in February, but I can assure you it's it's not fun, <laughs> uh, especially <laughs> not when you're having to to deal with a, a fashion shooting that has to take place outdoors. And as far as I can see now, the next collection will be again uh, available in February next year uh, due to some some delays. And we're we're not planning to to go outside and shoot uh, in, in in the rain one more time, <laughs> since uh, a good part of the team and the models uh, called in sick the next day. So. Um, so you, you got to find a solution anyways. And we, we decided to try and create set backdrops in uh, mid journey to implement real pictures of the clothing and the models into it. Um, we, we did some, some, some tests so far and they're not good enough to, to actually want me to, to show them to, to anyone. But uh, it's 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 such a good alternative to visualize what you're what you're about to do and trying to do. And um, even though you know the, the client is a smart guy, trying to to verbally explain what you're about to do or what your plan is, with we're digitally creating backdrops in um, AI, then. We're going to take pictures in front of a, a, a gray backdrop and then we're going to, you know, it sounds so, so techy and so weird. And it's, it's a lot easier if you can just go up to a client with a picture at hand and say, this is what we're about to do. This is roughly what it's going to, to look like. What do you think of this? And by the way, 
we can replace the rain and gray in the background with um, a nice LA street kind of sunset, moody atmosphere picture if you want to. In one of our conversations, um, you know, when we were talking about how you've been playing with AI and and how much how how deep you've kind of gone, you kind of communicated that you haven't fully explored it. And can you kind of share why and expand and like share with our audience, yeah, kind of your thought process of how where you're at with AI and playing with these tools? Well, as 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 I said in in the beginning. Um, or we talked about me trying to rule AI out as a, a threat, but then in the end, I just I just couldn't. Looking looking into Midjourney at at a certain point, I just I just stopped doing it. And there's the the reason for it being that um, it would be so painful finding out that what has been my you know life for the past fifteen years, what have what has made me um you know look into a, a bright future and what i've worked for so hard um is now just not worth anything anymore because anybody can do it by typing a few words into a box and getting a um, a great a great picture so that was i think i put blinders on in 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 a way because you don't want to give up anything that you work for um just for the simplicity um of there being a, a, another solution to thank you for sharing that and and i think that um it, it's just really touching hearing you say that and at the same time i will say that people and photographers can't be replaced and like every photographer brings their own unique style and their whole experience and approach to their photography. And that's not going to get replaced by someone else prompting like your photography and you can't be replaced by someone else prompting into the computer. My, my heart does break for the photography industry um, because it is going to evolve and change. And, you know, there's going to be growing pains with that, no matter how it changes, like it's evolving, changing, and we're all kind of in the middle of it right now and navigating it in different ways. Um, so it, it, it is kind of a bittersweet moment in, in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, you mentioned, um, that with a streetwear brand that LA would be a much cooler background setting and again, travel for a small brand just adds up the production costs so much. Yeah, it, it just seems kind of like this um, bittersweet where there's so many benefits to AI and, uh, you know, in the concepting and in the processes. And, you know, I, I think what you said about, you know, being heartbroken if we, if, people give up their cameras and to lose the craft of photography is, is something that's, that's very real. There's one photographer that a presentation I watched online a couple of weeks ago in Cincinnati, and he gave up his camera equipment because he's so excited just to play with AI art online. So I've already even heard of one person giving up their camera equipment and transitioning more in, as like an AI artist. But I still think that that's, you know, a different identity. If you're like, I'm an AI artist versus like a photographer that uses, whether it's Photoshop or one of these other AI tools in their production process. Do you kind of see the distinction that way too? It took me a while to identify as an artist myself. Like that didn't happen overnight. I always felt more like I'm a service provider or a troubleshooter or, you know, a craftsman and then somewhere um, down the line and if there's budget left the artistry comes into play and that's kind of you know the uh, commercial photography approach to it because you have to you know solve a lot of problems before you actually start shooting and you know i think the like the identification comes from exactly that process that you have to to put in so much work and also physical work and uh, um, preparation to to create high profile commercial jobs or you know even if it's not commercially if you if you're really invested in your um, art photography 
um, there's a lot of effort going into this, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Actually, that's it's a it's a blue collar job if you if you want to look at it that way. Whereas as an AI artist, and I don't mean to to play down any any artistry or um, you know talent of a, a, anyone who who does it. Um, I think the approach is is so much different that the identification will just follow that. One thing that is really interesting, um, more from a commercial standpoint, which we we kind of already talked about a little bit is kind of how AI is going to impact workflows and then client expectations. And one thing that you had said before is like, you almost have to learn it because if you don't, then, you know, the clients are going to go to other photographers who have. So I was wondering if you kind of could expand like one on your thought process of like, it's not an option not to understand AI and then, um, yeah, kind of how you're thinking about it from workflows and efficiencies, like the pros and cons. Because I think a lot of people in photography, especially com- like professional photographers, um, are probably thinking about some of those same things right now or are scared and haven't jumped in or have jumped in and scared <laughs> or, you know, are <laughs> excited, you know, or somewhere in, in between. Yeah. I mean, you have to... Um... I think I think AI will speed up um, the way we interact with with the clients. If you if you have let's say a fashion fashion catalog shooting um, after a ten hour day and fourteen to fifteen different outfits, um, you'll be sitting in your hotel room having to sort through somewhat between 10 and 15,000 shots, depending on if there was movement in, in, in the pictures and you had a lot of, um, uh, you had a lot of pictures taken and I have, I have no problem speeding up the, the process of editing those pictures by some sort of AI, which you could prompt to, um, pick out the, you know, the best 50 shots, take the, the, the the sharpest ones take only the ones where the eyes are open sort of you know um easy prompts that will do what what you would be doing in 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 two or three hours within 10 or 15 seconds um i think that will improve working with the clients a lot because you know clients are always demanding to get their um their their product out as fast as as possible and of course they want to have the pictures as as fast as possible to being able to you know deploy them work with them whatever they, they're doing with it so if we can speed up that process I'm, I'm i'm totally fine with it um the only risk for the photographer is let's say if you have you know a week of um, catalog shootings um you could you know, invoice the client two to three days to, you know, do the edit. And, um, that's, that's money. You'll find it hard to charge the, the, the client for, for that. If you, you know, automize the, the automate the, the, the process and do it in like 15 seconds, because as soon as the client knows he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna pay for that anymore. And I mean, you, you, you could look at it in the way that, you know, you're not charging two days for, you know, editing and, and selecting pictures. Um, you could use those two days to take more pictures. But in in reality, um, the way I I worked as a photographer, um, it's not it's not working that I, I come back from 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 a job and just do do the selection in 15 seconds and you know start shooting right away because there's other stuff to do um as well so there is there is risk of implementing a lot of ai to to your workflow um there's also a lot of a lot of chances and then um you just have to you know navigate through it and 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 find find a way where you don't you don't um lose money and but win time you just want to to be in balance, I guess. Yeah. So finding the the workflow efficiencies 
for better servicing your clients. I know so many photographers, professional photographers, that it can be challenging financially to constantly find work. And now you're just adding another complexity to it of finding efficiencies. But does that mean you also need more clients um, to fill the the door? So I I understand that uh, for sure. Um, are there any other conversations like that you're having with your other photography friends related to like AI and the photography business itself? Um, business related, not, not, not that much because we, I mean, you can, you know, improve, um, conversations with, with your clients with AI and we're talking about that and, um, I'm, I'm talking a lot with my friend Martin, um, about AI. Um, and we're, you know, some conversations were very bleak about the whole um, development. And then there's other conversations where we, you know, we're just absolutely amazed by the potential that's that's in there. And um, uh, so that goes that goes back and forth. But pretty much every photographer i'm i'm talking about has more worries than um excitement about the the technology um well let's take a, a second to actually talk more about you and your photography and how you got into photography um since this is a, a show on creativity as well and to kind of get a little bit more inside uh your mind and creative process uh so in the pre-recorded intro everyone knows that you're from germany but where did you grow up and how did you first get involved with photography yeah sure sure i was born in in, in nuremberg and grew Grew up in a small town bordering it, about 40,000 people living there. And my first contact with photography there was um, via my, my dad. Um, we're very different people and photography was sort of the only connection that we had in, we had in common. Um, and also traveling, he, he used to travel a lot. So um yeah, that, that was mainly our connection. And at some point, I got his 25-year-old Konica TC SLR camera set, which was very old at the time already. And yeah, started taking pictures whenever we're, we were on family holidays. And then at some, at some point, skateboarding entered my life and determined it for a long long time and um it turns out i i i was okay skateboarding but i wasn't super talented which resulted in me um getting hurt quite a few times and whenever i was hurt and couldn't skateboard i i mean you, you still want to be with your friends that were skateboarding too so i brought the camera to you know the skate park and wherever we 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 hung out and started taking pictures and um i it was looking back that was that was pretty much the greatest time uh, of my life because i i could do you know what i what i loved um there were a lot of friends involved um and there were no no real stakes it was just hanging out and and doing what you love and i i still whenever Whenever things are getting difficult now, um, I'm, I'm looking back thinking you're still doing what you what you love and you're still doing what you set out to do in a way. So I keep that time very close to to my heart. And uh, yeah, also skateboarding had had a big in impact on on my career because the first like really paid jobs that I that I had during the apprenticeship that I started um, after. Um, getting getting out of uh, college um, no sorry high school uh, were jobs for skateboard magazines so that's how how my career really started I was I was a regular photographer for a variety of skateboarding magazines back when print was was still a thing and that was sort of the the entry into the professional realm of, of photography 
Well, one thing I will say first is working with Leica Camera for so many years, uh, I love that there's such a connection between photography uh, and uh, skateboarding. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with skateboarding, like the whole subculture, like photography is a really big element in that. And I know uh, Leica interviewed and featured many photographers that were also skateboarders or documented photography. So it's, uh, it's a really cool, um, I guess, sport plus uh, photography combination that that's really great to see. Yeah. And it, the funny, funny part is um, the, the photographers that are using Leica's now and, you know, the, the guys that Leica is, um, is interviewing are my childhood heroes on on a skateboard so we all got got older in in a way and uh, there's a lot of them who took uh, who took up photography and started shooting with with leica and i can't blame them it's um leica definitely did uh, yeah was a huge contributor to how my photography involved and how i you know my sort of my perspective on on taking pictures changed so how did you go from more street photography style of documenting uh, documenting um skateboarders to into more uh, commercial photography after after finishing high school i started studying law for a year and just found out that it it's it's not for me and that i wanted to you know, work and um, be more on the on the creative side instead of going to school again for for a couple of years. And so I wanted to do an apprenticeship, and I applied to a lot of photography studios in uh, in the region, and they were like your your everyday regular um, portrait studio, um, yeah, portrait photography studios. And I got declined about 39 out of 40 times. <laughs> and the one um, company that then hired me as an, as an apprentice was one of Nuremberg's biggest um, commercial photography studios. And that sort of changed everything for me in a way that before I, I was convinced it's okay if you have you know a camera and maybe you have a little um, flash you can you can put on top and then you know you take skateboarding pictures and, and whatnot. And then I went into this huge commercial studio and there were light there were light boxes that were um, I don't know bigger bigger than the room I was living at the at the moment and everything just looked so intimidating and so different than. Um, anything I had seen um, related to photography. And that captured me. The, the whole equipment side of it, the, the hardware, how, does, how do things work and how, how do I light a whole scene? And um, I, I'm still very, very close friends with um, the, the guy who... Um, yeah, I was I was an apprentice for um, over the three years, and we were our department was responsible for um, the bedding section. We took we, we had a few catalog clients, and that's within that uh, that catalog. They had like beddings and sheets and uh, whatnot, anything anything you would find in your um, bedroom, and so. We were creating huge sets for for those uh, for those products: windows, walls, curtains, the drapes, carpets, whatever you name it. We 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 set it up, and that was exactly what I needed at the at the point because I wanted to work. So I had you know photography, and I also had like some some physical challenges, and I needed to to learn a lot of. You know the craftsmanship. Just because you're learning about photography doesn't mean that you know how to set up. I don't know um, a bed or lay out a, a wooden floor, and that 
yeah, it just contr contr contributed to the whole fascination I had for photography at the at the point. And it being in a commercial area um, sort of made me made me go into that direction. Even though I was about a year in, one and a half years in, I was pretty sure that I, I didn't want to have to do a lot with bed sheets and carpets anymore. Um, but that I wanted to go for, you know, people, um, photography, people, lifestyle, um, that, that was, that was sort of the, the goal for me after finishing the apprenticeship. And after the apprenticeship, is that when you went out on your own or did you, uh, work for some other agencies before, uh, going freelance? I, I went, I got out of the, you know, the respective school that you have to, to attend to finish the apprenticeship. And, um, a very close, close friend of mine, who's still my, my best friend, Martin, um, he went out at the same time and we both, um, started working freelance. Now, typically you don't, you don't have, I mean, I had a few clients like magazines that, you know, but nothing that could sustain me, um, yeah, completely sustain me. So uh, you start working as a photographer. And I, I pretty soon after finishing the apprenticeship, I again noticed that I that I didn't know anything about photography because work inside a studio is completely different from work outside of a studio. And I started working as a photo assistant and I had a few photographers I really wanted to, to work for. And year by year i sort of added one added one to to the list and um i was very fortunate to work with great photographers in 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 any field it was not that i that i just wanted to do one kind of photography i mean people would have been nice but i was also in, interested in automotive and um yeah product photography and so I tried to learn as much as much as I could, and uh, photo assisting is is hard in itself, um, but it's it's the best way to to learn. And uh, whoever is thinking about starting a career in in photography or working as a photo assistant, um, I can only recommend going out, meeting as as many photographers um, as possible being rejected by the ones you want to work for 20 times is normal, but it'll pay off in, in the end, learn as much as you, as you can. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, that you like taking portraits and, oh, we'll be sure to include some of your photography in, uh, the blog post that goes with this episode and link uh, to your website and your Instagram account, but it, it's really beautiful portraits. Uh, uh, can you tell us kind of like why you love portrait photography and your approach to to really capturing um the portraits that you do i think i think people are sort of the the soul of of the earth any any story that has ever been told um was told by by a human being and when i when i started or when i decided to really go for um people photography um, it took me a while, and that's where, where Leica comes back into play to realize that um, you don't need high-profile people to to tell a story. Um, you know, as, as a young photographer, you look at other photographers, whoever, Andy Leibovitz, um, Martin Schiller, um, you know all the all the big names and and you're like man of course you're you're shooting Brad Pitt of course the picture will, will come out great but that's not not an excuse to not take beautiful pictures um, yourself because you have to find sort of that let's say Brad Pitt in in whoever you're you're taking pictures of and everybody has his or her story to tell and identifying that and sort of um webbing that into into a story is is oh, webbing the story into a picture that's that's the job of a of a good photographer and um i 
I still gotta learn a lot. And um, there's there's one one sentence uh, a good friend of mine, David Königsmann, who's who's also a very very talented photographer, one of the guys I had on on my list to work with. Um, he said, as a young photographer, you have to keep your eyes open all the time and on everyone. Just keep watching, keep your eyes open. And um, when he said that 10 years ago, he was my age now. So um, he considered himself a young photographer. So I'm still considering myself a young photographer. And there's still a lot to learn. And interacting with people always makes you learn new things. And so the whole keeping your eyes open and listening listening to people and their stories that's that's the soul of of the earth that's the the interesting part of i think any job well and i love also how you've said that you kind of take a break from commercial photography and uh, with your street <laughs> photography. Uh, so I was wondering if you could kind of expand on how that's kind of like a breath of fresh air from your your commercial uh, from your commercial photography. The the whole commercial photography is is very planning extensive. It's very um, you have tight schedules, you have tight budgets, you have no time windows um, to really interact with people. That goes for, you know, real commercial jobs, but also if you're just, you know, taking pictures of musicians or celebrities or politicians or whatever, there's almost no time and there's always high stakes. You, you got to come up with, with something. And um, for me, I I needed a camera to to vent this this pressure in photography that I, at least I was feeling um, during the time. So in 2012, I decided to buy a, a used Leica M9 just to have a camera to um, to vent all the high-profile um, jobs that, that I was doing on the other hand. And I wanted a camera to just take with me, have you know the possibility to take great pictures and not... Um, be in, in intimidating with the camera and that's exactly what the Leica M9 was to me at the point and I didn't expect it to change my way of photography that much because all of a sudden um, it took me out of this this notion of needing you know very important people or musicians to come up with a with a great picture and the Leica just, you know, enabled me. It, that that camera was was a wild card for me to go anywhere and talk to anyone who I found was interesting and take their 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 picture. And that then again reflected onto the to the commercial work because I could relax. I felt like I could relax a little a little more and um, come back to the process of taking pictures and focusing on, you know, what I want the picture to look, to look like without feeling all that pressure. That's, that's why, that's what Leica and specifically the M9 um, did for me. And um, I'm really, really thankful for that. Also a rangefinder camera is just a different type of camera. So you, you know, you see things differently and um, I wasn't expecting that to be such a huge impact on my job. Yeah, well, I mentioned before we started recording, looking at all of your uh, rangefinder photos uh, from Leica uh, for the blog that we worked on forever ago got me all excited and motivated <laughs> me or is motivating me to take more photos uh, with my camera because I definitely do not get it out enough. Well, I thank you. You should. You should take more pictures. <laughs> Well, I think one thing um, that's interesting too, kind of going back to AI, is the difference between street photography and commercial photography. And you said something really beautiful um, before, uh, earlier when we were speaking about how street photography, you really have to be in the moment, whereas commercial photography, you're kind of creating the moment. So in some ways, street photography really won't be affected by, uh, by AI in the same way that commercial photography is. So I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that a little bit more too. Well, I think when on any commercial 
job, the client has an expectation that you have to fulfill. And any client with any budget will always expect perfection. And I do see some parallels here to, um, to AI because AI is just the, you know, you're, you're striving for perfection or that's, let's say hum humanity optimizing um, towards perfection. You want to have your perfect prompts. You want to have the perfect um, answer from chat GPT. You want to have the perfect picture out of, out of mid journey. And that's sort of very similar to um, the commercial photography world. You, you don't, there's sometimes there's a lot of money involved. Sometimes there is not a lot of time and you still have to come up with something that the client regards as perfection. And to me, I think, I think it's, it's, that's sad because um, AI there is eradicating um, imperfections. It's, it's, you know, eradicating the, the little, um, you know, mistakes that you do that turn into something super beautiful. And street photography is, is sort of, it's chaos in a way. You don't have any influence on, um, you know, what's what's really happening, and you're not creating the moment that you're taking the picture. You, you just you're there as a witness. You have to keep your eyes open. You have to be in the moment. Maybe you have to think ahead a little bit, like about what's what's about to happen. But you're you're not in control. You're just witnessing it, and um, a lot of pictures. They don't, they don't come out perfect. They come out with a lot of imperfections, but, um, I love those little imperfections because you don't, you just, you have to accept them. And I think imperfection is a big part of life. And imperfection has led to, you know, many, many great ideas. And, um, I love, I love the little imperfections. And that's why I love street photography. And that's why I do, um, That's why I am a little critical about AI because I feel AI is going to eradicate a lot of the beautiful imperfections that life has to offer. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting too in the, you know, there's always trends and pendulums swinging one way or the, the other. And especially with mid-journey, there's like this hyper-realism aesthetic that um, a lot of the imagery kind of captures right now or how it looks. And at the same time, I think it, it's kind of the the contrast. There's a, a trend in the U.S. called cringe, but that we're already seeing some of the imperfections or, uh, you know, kind of being embraced too. Like this is human made. It's not perfect. So it, it's kind of an interesting um, aesthetic tension uh, that we're kind of in the middle of right now. I don't know if you've seen that at all on your side in Germany or online from any of the content that you're looking at. Well, I think not not to the to the ex extent um, I haven't like cringe. That's 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 new for me. But um, I can maybe that's we're already at a tipping point, and I think we talked about this shortly in um, before we we started recording the podcast. Um, was that this this perfection? If you um, if you apply for a job and you write your resume. Um, ChatGPT or whatever other text-based uh, AI um, word generator will do that perfectly. There's not going to be a typo in there. There's not going to be any grammatic grammatical errors in there. Um, so maybe at some point down in in, in the future, um, if there's a typo in there, uh, you'll be noticed by. Um, the guys in the respective HR department because you have a typo in there and you're the only one who's having it. So maybe that's when the imperfections become, you know, more important again, or those imperfections, uh, imperfections show that you're an individual that makes mistakes. So I can, I can imagine that there's, there's trends um, coming up um, that, specifically focus on on imperfections because ai is not wanting to deliver those uh, i could also see 
the AI also delivering images or text with imperfections, if that's, you know, because all it does is humans reinforce, you know, what we want to see from it. And if we prefer content with imperfections, that it will actually purposefully make imperfections like that. I, I could see that as a possibility too, for, for better or for worse. Um, that's true, that, but then, uh, but then it's not an imperfection. Then it's a prompt again, you know. <laughs> a, a fake, a deep fake imperfection. A deep fake imperfection. <laughs> uh, one thing that um, came to mind uh, when you were talking about why you love portrait photography so much um, as like capturing people, it was so beautiful how you said it and how important you know, like eyes are, or it made me think about, you know, eyes are the the gateway for people's souls. And, you know, I, I've heard that in some ways using AI generated people can be a benefit, especially if it's um, maybe talking about a nonprofit that's dealing with a very sensitive subject. And instead of having someone that you know, could be in an exploitative state that you use an AI generated person um, instead of, you know, someone that could be, you know, it, it's a sensitive subject material to photograph to begin with. Um, and I see those use cases really well, but, you know, aside from models and stuff, you know, I really don't think that you'll ever get with AI, like, the eyes and the the soul related to people captured in the photography uh, is that something that you agree with? I, I I couldn't I can't imagine someone disagreeing with me, but I'm curious like your response to that. <laughs> well, I think it 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 depends again on what you what you want to achieve with the picture. If you're you know if your focus is 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 absolute perfection um that's a difficult question now <laughs> um, <laughs> well i i think it just gets to like how good can ai get to replicating human eyes which are like the gateway to the soul i i don't think that's something that a machine can replicate because it it requires the humans to have the soul and the machines won't ever get to that i, I think that's my current thesis as i'm talking aloud for the show <laughs> You 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 could be right, but I have you have you watched uh, any Pixar movie lately? What was the any, last uh, Pixar movie? Uh, I love Pixar. Like Inside Out is one of my favorite uh, films of all time. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm just remembering. Um, I think it was called Soul. Um, oh yeah, that's a beautiful one. Yeah, and I like. That that movie really really got me. Like I, I was uh, got to be honest here, I was bawling my eyes out at some point. And isn't it interesting that you know a man in the end of his thirties starts you know crying over an animated movie, and none of the persons in the movie is realistic, not even close to realistic, and still um, certain expressions in the face you know combined with whatever music and you know big eyes tearing up um in, in an animation movie will move you so i don't i don't think you to reach a viewer of any kind of picture you don't have to be um realistic in a way uh, you just have to transport a feeling. And I think AI is capable um, of doing that. Um, I, I, can't, I can't really tell the difference between AI and, and, and real pictures in some of the, the posts I see online. So, um, yeah, transporting feelings, you don't, you don't need realism for that. So um, I think AI is probably doing a good job at it already and we're just questioning it for the reason um or just for the reason of it being um you know created with artificial intelligence yeah i think that's fair and and i think that 
can be applied to any art, like no matter what form, like the purpose of art is to resonate with people, no matter which medium it takes. Um, Okay. I'll have to think about that more and we'll, we'll circle back. And I'm curious what the audience, uh, what your reactions are, if you have any strong uh, opinions. Um, well, we're getting towards the end, even though I think we could keep talking about this for, for hours and hours. Um, are there any kind of final thoughts um, that you want to say, or maybe something that um, I didn't ask uh, related to AI and photography that you wanted to be sure uh, that we discussed today? Um, before we before we sign off, I'd love to see people taking pictures in in a few years still, and not relying completely on artificial intelligence and their little prompt boxes um, in whatever you know tool they're using, because it's the whole process that makes photography so so interesting. And it's what kept me alive for sure all of these years, or kept me in the in, in the job is you know, the people and all the, the, the effort that goes into creating photography. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to see the craft slowly fade away and being replaced by computers, but AI will have so many so many positive impacts on, on, on our lives that that's also the question if maybe we can sacrifice photography for the sake of humanity being able to cure cancer. I'm, I'm totally, totally fine with that if that's the result. I think the only important thing is we have to be very realistic about AI right now being the reflection of human achievement. However, if humanity decides to um, only do what AI is perceiving as a good achievement, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I appreciate you being so honest and open about that. And my hope is that photography will continue to exist. The craft will continue to exist and AI can exist and they can coexist and both thrive however form that it takes. Um, but I, I do know, you know, photography displaced portrait photography, um, you know, or not, uh, not portrait photography, portrait painting um, in a lot of ways, even though portrait painting still exists, but it's very niche compared to portrait photography and photography in general. So I, I do, you know, acknowledge the the real concern about how the industry is going to be impacted and changing. And um, yeah, time, time will tell, I guess, on that front. But it sounds like you won't be stopping taking photos. So we'll keep checking in with you and keep on following um, all of the amazing work that you do. Um, so why don't you uh, let everyone know who's listening, how they can uh, how they can find you online. And we'll also be sure to put it uh, all the links in the in the blog post too on the website. Well, I'm, I'm on Instagram. So um that's going to be at Thomas under slash B-O-E-N-I-G or on my website, um, com, And I'm happy to hear from you guys. And um, I'm, I'm super happy, super stoked to having been invited to your podcast. And um, I think you're doing a great job in, you know, having all um, views on AI and creativity and um, like present in your podcast and, and getting getting sort of a lot of different voices to tell what they think. Um, that's amazing. I'm, I'm really happy that I could be a part of it. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm so glad that you are part of it and uh, we'll definitely keep checking in uh, and we'll see maybe six months or a year from now, um, where the industry is, the photography industry, where AI is, if we're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to end it, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for spending some time with us today. We're just getting started and would love your support. Subscribe to Creativity Squared on your preferred podcast platform and leave a review. It really helps. And I'd love to hear your feedback. What topics are you thinking about and want to dive into more? I invite you to visit creativitysquared.com to let me know. 
And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you can easily stay on top of all the latest news at the intersection of AI and creativity. Because it's so important to support artists, 10% of all revenue Creativity Squared generates will go to ArtsWave, a nationally recognized nonprofit that supports over 100 arts organizations. Become a premium newsletter subscriber or leave a tip on the website to support this project and ArtsWave. And premium newsletter subscribers will receive NFTs of episode cover art and more extras to say thank you for helping bring my dream to life. And a big, big thank you to everyone who's offered their time, energy, and encouragement and support so far. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. This show is produced and made possible by the team at Play Audio Agency. Until next week, keep creating.